Toller in the Hoots Media Variety Hour. Um, this week, I'm joined by a friend of the show, Lisa Minton. Hello. And L. L. Collins? Yes, that is, in the- fact, my name. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. So, uh, how, how are y'all? Meh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good. I had a very good dinner tonight, so that's got me in a good mood for the evening. Oh, nice. Nice. I found uh, a stash of chocolate I didn't realize I had. Oh, Ooh. nice. Yeah. That's always a happy day. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like that episode of The Simpsons where uh, it turns out Homer's like hiding beer in like the uh, inside the toilet tanks and stuff? And you're just like, you're looking around and you find just a bag of chocolate taped in somewhere. You're like, finally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was searching <laughs> the, the uh, toilet tanks. Well, you got to check there <laughs> at, at, occasionally. You, yeah, you never know what sure. you find. Uh, well, we've got L joining us this week to talk about wrestling, which is something that I'm utterly Woo! ignorant of. <laughs> and, uh, James is out on assignment. I think that he's somewhere in, in the bush, uh, chasing dingoes. So I thought we would also have Lisa here to do like, I would say take his place, but that would assume that like we would ever want to have him back after having Lisa here. Lisa, you <laughs> might just stay. Okay. Uh, yeah. I can do that. But I understand that you're also a wrestling person. So, um, I am. If we start at zero and say that I don't know nothing about wrestling, uh, who wants to try to convince me that I should, you know, actually get into that? Anybody? Or are you just more one of those talk about what you like sort of situations? No, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> I can tell you how I got into it. There we so, go. Um, when I was little, I was probably like six or seven, way younger than I probably should have been watching wrestling, but that's okay. Um, my cousin used to watch it. He's six years older. And so um, the first match I ever remember watching was Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. And they were fighting and then they were like fighting outside of the no. One of them accidentally hit Miss Elizabeth in the face. Miss Elizabeth was mm. Randy Savage's wife, real life, and then like on the show, and then they got divorced. But it it's a whole big thing, and what? so yeah, it's it's complicated. And on the show, she was also his manager. <laughs> yes, yeah. So she was out there because she was his manager, and so she um, got like elbowed or something, and so then Hulk Hogan had to take her back to like the medical facility. And then Randy Savage got jealous that Hulk Hogan had taken her back there. So then they start fighting in the like first aid room and they're like hitting each other with medical things. And for some (laughs) reason, like that just was it for me. I was hooked. Um, I, I watched for a while when I was younger and then I was probably in high school when I I was turning past something and saw a show called Smackdown. And I was like, okay, that sounds amazing. (laughs) Um, So I started watching it and they had a lot of um, what James calls jumpy shit or flippy shit. And um, so it had a lot of like the Lucha Libre up on the top rope doing flips and somersaults and whatever else um and i loved it and so i watched started watching it again and like me and my mom watched it 
Like <laughs> it was hilarious. We went to live shows. Um, but it's, it's amazing. Okay. It's not just them fighting. If it was just them fighting, I think I like, I don't like boxing. I don't like UFC. Um, but they're fighting, right? And then they have like storylines too. So it's like a soap opera and they're all in tights and they're fighting. And it's, <laughs> I mean, like there's backstage stuff and like, you can't tell sometimes what's real and what's not real because they have this whole like backstory built in that like sometimes has to do with things that are also true in real life, but not necessarily. And it's just, it's amazing. It is. It, there's violence. <laughs> there's love stories. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit of everything. And like, it's just amazing. It really is. Yeah. I, so I come from it from a different perspective because I didn't start watching wrestling until I was an adult. Um, like I remember it being around when I was a kid. Cause of course it was a huge deal in the eighties. Like I certainly oh, yeah. knew Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper and Randy Savage just from like seeing them in other places. And I watched a few episodes of that, that Hulk Hogan cartoon. Mm. Uh, oh yeah. He had a cartoon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There was a, a cartoon <laughs> in the eighties. that was like Hulk Hogan and Andre the giant and junkyard dog is just like a team of friends who had like weekly conflicts with like <laughs> Roddy Piper and the iron Sheik and like all the bad wrestlers. Um, but, uh, in, you know, I, like I knew who like Ric Flair was and, and so forth, but I, it wasn't really my thing. I do have this very specific memory, uh, of when Devin and I were teenagers and we were like, uh, we saw like some, uh, uh, sting t-shirts at like walmart or wherever when he was like dressing like the crow and we were like making fun of him for being like a poser uh <laughs> because we were goths you know um stands reason but uh anyway i i as i got older i had a lot of friends that were into wrestling and I just like there were sort of a lot of factors at once that converged. Like I remember when everybody was really into like Daniel Bryan around WrestleMania 30. Like I I didn't watch it yet, but I like got the story just secondhand that he was like uh you know this this underdog who looked like a you know smaller than average uh hippie with a big beard but all the fans loved him even though he wasn't a traditional wrestling guy and really wanted him to win and then he did and everybody like exploded with happiness and i was just i sort of understood for the first time in like watching that second hand why people got so much joy out of wrestling mm -hmm. and so and then like the the final thing that really got me to watch it i think was sort of the rise of uh mainstream women's wrestling in like 2015 with like the four horsewomen from NXT and like all of that, because I had always, I've always had a complicated relationship with gender my whole life. And I think for a long time, I didn't think wrestling was, uh, was appealing because it was like so masculine coded. Uh, yeah. And, then, and it, it used to be like a really, really awful. Yeah. To women. Like, yeah paddle on a pole matches they had to wrestle in jello like it was really disgusting but like the first time that i saw um like 
Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks and Bailey and also Paige. I was like, okay, all of these people look awesome and I want to like see what they do. Um, so that was really when I started watching and I basically just like, I just turned on raw. Like I literally had nothing yeah. else to do on a Monday night and I was like, Oh, this wrestling's on TV. A lot of my friends watch it. Let's see how it is. Um, and I'd also, I was a big fan of the Saska sisters, mm. uh, who are, uh, like genre film directors and they made a couple of WWE studios movies that starred Kane and the big show. Oh, cool. Uh, and so the first time that I turned on raw, uh, I, it was during the like authority era in 2015. Yeah. So like the McMahons and Seth Rollins and JJ security and big show and Kane were all in the ring at the top of the show. Uh, which, like, now when I see McMahon's in the ring at the top of Raw, I'm like, oh, this Raw's going to suck. But right? at the time, I didn't know any better. <laughs> and, it, like, the fact that the two guys that I recognized from following the Sasuke sisters were, like, right there the first time I turned it on was like, okay, I know those guys. So I can, like, yeah. like I have a starting point. So sure. where does where does all this fall on the spectrum between, like, sports and entertainment? Um... <sighs> It's okay. So it's, it's like wrestlers are athletes, but it's not really a sport. It's like dance in my opinion. Like a lot of wrestling people, uh, you know, object to that comparison because there's still a lot of like old school masculinity in wrestling, but it really is like dance in the sense that you have to have like a highly trained body and be able to like uh you know do things that normal people can't do in order to do it but you're not doing it to uh to like win a legitimate competition you're doing it to tell a story you know to it's 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 an art rather than a sport in that sense i agree like i i don't think i've ever heard anybody describe it like that before but i really i really like it and the fact that it's um, that it positions itself as the fact that it pretends to be a sport enables people to engage with it in a different way than like something more like traditional theater because you have like you know you have like matches where you get to cheer for your favorites and boo the ones that you don't like and it sort of has that built-in structure and it also has this sort of. Uh, physical interactivity which of course you get less on television but you can still enjoy it vicariously where you know the wrestlers come out and like if if it's a a good guy they'll like slap everybody in the audience's hands you know if it's like bailey or someone they'll like literally pick up children and hug them (laughs) so there's like there's a real relationship that's formed between these like semi-fictional characters and the real people in the audience that I think makes it uh, particularly interesting. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, you see, you use the word semi-fictional. Um, like I, I know that there's a bunch of industry terms around like what the story is and how that interacts with real life, but uh, like how closely do those things tend to track with each other? I think it depends. It, yeah. It varies a lot both from era to era, from company to company, and from wrestler to wrestler. Um, like, uh, Becky Lynch, who had this amazing run, like, 
late last year and early this year. And hopefully that run is not entirely over. It's just sort of not really working out right now because they have her in this endless feud with someone who's not really ready to be at the top of the card, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but, uh, like her story, her character is that she was never meant to be a star and fought her way to the top. And that's what she actually did. I mean, she didn't literally fight her, fight her way to the top by beating people because, you know, the outcomes are all predetermined, but she fought her way to the top by like winning over crowds and like aggressively, uh, like, uh, making choices about her character that made people fall in love with her and also having like the best social media game in wrestling. Yes. Um, so they're really, so in that, like, I feel like her character is like very close to who she is, but then you have, you know, like, uh, well, someone like Bray Wyatt, whose character used to be that he was like a swamp cult leader. And now it's that, He's hosting a secretly evil children's show while also having an alter ego as a demonic clown. Um. So, like, <laughs> while he is, like, he does seem to be kind of a conspiracy theory weirdo in real life, he's definitely not a cult leader or a children's show host or an evil <laughs> clown. <laughs> huh. And a lot of times with the wrestlers, it's like who they are, but turned up. To like 11. Yes. Okay, I can sympathize with that. Uh, usually, you know, these shows are like us turned up to 11. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we seem kind of low key, but that's really because we move very slowly in, on our day to day. Um, <laughs> so, I, I said that I didn't know anything about wrestling, and that actually was a total lie because I know everything about eighties women wrestling because I've watched all of the glow episodes. Yes. So like I approached glow assuming that this was not at all something that reflected reality, but I've been given to understand that there actually was like glow like things going on. I mean, um, there literally was glow glow was yeah. a real wrestling oh, well, show in the eighties. Yeah, it was a show. <laughs> <laughs> But there, it wasn't like the the TV show is fictional. They just use like the idea of the show. Like the characters that are on the Netflix show are not the same women that. Although there there are similarities. Like there was like a Russian character, and there was like uh, uh, a big smiling female, you know, baby face character. Uh, it was like an Islander gimmick. Like these, these things existed, but, but the, the show is highly fictionalized, but yeah, their glow was a real thing. And it pretty much looked exactly like that one episode of the Netflix show where they just do the show, man. That is super wild to me. Um, it actually, the guy who created the real glow, basically, uh, the, uh, the like real life version of, uh, uh, Bash, I think his name is on the show. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, one. He has a new show now that's very much like Glow, just more modernized, called Wow, which of course is just women of wrestling. <laughs> uh, and it's very similar. Like, there's still like it has much goofier gimmicks than uh, than like most wrestling shows. So there really is like like a voodoo lady and like there. My favorite character on Wow. Uh, is um, Abilene Maverick, the governor's daughter, 
who's <laughs> this blonde woman from Texas who's like a horse girl and like kind of spoiled because uh, she's the governor's daughter. <laughs> um, it's pretty like the problem with WoW is that it's really hard to watch. It comes on uh, Access, which is like not a channel that Xfinity and Knoxville has. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so you mean like literally hard to find, not like difficult to endure. Just like no, where the fuck do I get like this? Literally, you you can't. <laughs> it's not easy to watch unless you like have sling or something like that around here. <laughs> wow. Um. Which that relates to sort of a larger problem of of like mainstream wrestling, which is on the verge of changing. Which is that for a long time. It's basically just been WWE in terms of like a nationally accessible product. Yeah. Um, but now there's this new company, uh, AEW, that is doing pay per views this summer and launching a TV show on TNT in the fall. That's sort of, I mean, there's also a company called Impact Wrestling that used to be called TNA that's like around and they're also on a cable channel that nobody gets now. They used to be on a better cable channel, but they've just sort of been on a downward slide for like 15 years. Yeah. Um, But basically when that new show launches this fall, it's going to be the first time it's felt like WWE has a real competition on a national scale in the past 20 years. Yeah, for sure. So what what are they, what are they doing different? What, What makes them a viable competitor? Well, they're not run by Vince McMahon. Uh, who's that? <laughs> um, well, he is uh, a man in his early 70s who has run uh, WWE, which used to be WWF, since like the early 80s, maybe Oh, they 70s. did the Panda stuff, right? Um, well, <laughs> they, they lost uh, to Pandas in... Uh, <laughs> They in they lost court. that match, and <laughs> then they had to become WWE. Yeah. Um, I told you, if you let pandas sober up, they get a uh, they get real brawny. Uh, <laughs> we, we tried episode whatever for that one. Um, but Vince McMahon has he's basically the one he inherited the original company from his father, whose name was also Vince McMahon. But he's huh. he basically turned it into an like international empire. And like he, he's always been sort of, he's always been very morally questionable and uh, had shady business practices, but he used to be, I think, kind of a genius about like putting together a wrestling show. But now he's 73 and he's just not anymore, but he's still like in complete control of a lot of the company. So, uh, he tends to give people like characters that don't really work or like have them like write dialogue, which is a whole other thing. Like traditionally wrestlers just like improvise when they, you know, give, they give speeches that are referred to as promos in wrestling. Traditionally, that's all improvised. They just have like talking points and then they just sort of embody their, you know, uh, like Lisa said, they just act like themselves, but like turned way up. But in WWE in the past like couple decades, they've started just like completely scripting those promos. And because they're overseen by a 73 year old man, a lot of times the humor is not 
something that younger people can relate to. And when I say younger people, I mean people younger than 70. <laughs> <laughs> and that's um, the thing, like his sense of humor, Vincent Green's sense of humor worked really, really well when they had like, you know, bikini matches and like you could do whatever you wanted on TV and they would flip people off and um, they had crotch chops. But like, I think it hasn't aged well and there he's his sense of humor is not working well for this particular time period. Did you yeah. say crotch chops? Yes. Yeah. Is that so a you... move or? No, um, it's a, it's no, a taunt. Yeah. It's, you've yes. seen it. It's when you have like both hands and you sort of gesture down at your junk, like emphatically. With uh, your like palms open. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just refer to that as the, my high school years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Probably not unrelated. So, so this guy's basically just like the the Joe Biden of wrestling, just like been <laughs> yes. around forever, a uh, little bit out of touch, but uh, like a huge incumbency bonus. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Um, although right. he's also like personal buddies with Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> yes, Donald Trump has been on WWE. He's oh, that I have seen. Thing. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, huh. there's an argument to be made that. Uh, WWE in like the 80s and 90s was a big part of what made Donald Trump nationally famous. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it's all his fault. Um, <laughs> he has, Donald Trump has been uh, has taken a stunner from Stone Cold Steve Austin, although not well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he and Vince McMahon once had a hair versus hair match, if you can believe that. I'm sorry, I had a what? Oh, hair versus hair is a kind of match that was popularized in Mexico where the loser has to, like, shave their head. Um, okay, who shaved their head in that one? Obviously <laughs> Vince McMahon. Yeah. Like, there was no chance that Donald Trump was going to come in and show people how all that works under there. Well, I was just wondering if it just never came back. <laughs> uh-huh. Huh. Um, but that relates to the other thing that I think makes AEW better or potentially better than WWE. Because, of course, we haven't seen their like weekly product yet. But um, like obviously being buddies with Donald Trump and, you know, being a 73 year old billionaire, uh, Vince McMahon <laughs> is a very conservative <laughs> figure. And so like uh, currently there is one out LGBTQ person in WWE. Uh, who's a woman named Sonya Deville who uh, they're not doing like great things with, but she's at least around. But like prior to that, they had, there was a gay male wrestler named Darren Young who came out after he had joined WWE and they basically just had nothing to do with him after that. Yeah. Like it was a sad state of affairs. Um, But like, and also the way that WWE deals with like, uh, people who aren't American or a lot of times people who aren't white or people who speak accented English, it still leaves a lot to be desired. And AEW has a much more progressive uh, worldview. Like the among the first people they signed were uh, a guy named Sonny Kiss, who's not just a gay wrestler. Like he's like... His whole thing is like that he's extremely feminine and like wears makeup and booty shorts in the ring and like 
shakes his butt in people's faces. And hmm. uh, a woman named Nyla Rose, who is the first uh, uh, transgender wrestler ever to sign with a major company. So, like, there's a lot of evidence that... And uh, AEW also has, like, relationships with, like, Japanese and Chinese and Mexican promotions. So there's, like... A real sense of like we want to represent everyone there that like WWE has never really been interested in. Yeah, huh. they don't need friends because they're the best. So right, <laughs> the only game in town, right? Yeah, well, their their only friend is the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. That's true. Ah, oh, that's a uh, that's some hmm, that's a mixed company we're talking about there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they tried to have a women's match over there um, this year. That didn't pan out, but. They did How take a couple a women. <laughs> yeah, they have to actually make specific uniforms for if they were to wrestle. They would have to have different outfits than what they have here, obviously. But yeah. um, they didn't. They didn't go through with the match this year. Yeah, I'm really WWE is like promising that eventually they're going to have they're going to manage to have a women's match in Saudi Arabia, and I don't really understand. How they can mm-hmm. promise that when they clearly thought they were going to get it this time and then got told no at the last minute. Like, what makes them think that's going to change? Well, why Why is that an agenda that you would want to push would be my question. It's like, is, is that really like how you're going to progress uh, Saudi society? It's like, you know, well, let's, just, let's mention here. Well, the thing is, they... Uh, they have been on this big kick since like 2015, as I mentioned earlier, of like promoting women's wrestling and like making a big deal about how they're promoting women's wrestling and treating women as like valid competitors instead of just eye candy. And then they signed a deal with the government of Saudi Arabia to do two shows a year for like several years at which like the women just aren't allowed. And of course there's, lots of other objections to the Saudi Arabia deal, like the fact that their government is like literally evil and kills children and journalists. Uh, I mean, who, whom amongst, (laughs) (laughs) uh, and, uh, so I, clearly what they're trying to do is like, if they can get a women's match on one of the Saudi Arabian shows, they can be like, See, people that have been yelling at us, everything is fine. We're hoping Saudi Arabia be better. (laughs) We did it. Yeah, they got, I think, a lot more backlash than they expected about that. And so they're they're trying to, because they want all the monies, um, they're going to go. But they're trying to make it less about, you know, being greedy and more about, like, Oh, we're we're helping them change their society, right? Because the th- <laughs> the thing is, their second Saudi Arabia show, which was last fall, was literally right after uh, Jamal Khashoggi, the the uh, uh, journalist who'd been working in America, was literally like tortured and murdered by the Saudi Arabian government, mm-hmm. like literally right after, like literally senators. And also John Oliver were like publicly calling <laughs> for WWE to not go to Saudi Arabia. And they still did. Oh, yeah. They got to get that money. Oh, yeah. Didn't yeah. Uh, didn't our mayor go to that one? Yes, he did. He did. 
Yeah, there's kind of a, I guess, a relatively rich history of former wrestlers going into politics, right? I'll I mean, yeah. There's at least two. There's yeah. at least, there's at least uh, Jesse Ventura and, uh, and Glenn Jacobs. There's others who have, like, run, but I think those are the two who have met with the most success. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you, again, count Donald Trump. Um, but the thing that kind of drove me up the wall about our mayor going to, to the Saudi Arabia show is like if it was like just like I don't know five six years ago and the conversation was about like Sharia law like people around here would have been freaking the fuck out that our that our mayor was going to Saudi Arabia but now in like the Donald Trump era when it's about like money and dead journalists everybody's cool with it yeah, that's wild. And and for anybody who isn't familiar with the uh, like Knox County, Tennessee politics, Glenn Jacobs was formerly the Demon Kane. Was that his full name? I mean, his his name was just Kane, but he oh, okay. he was sometimes called the Demon Kane because he was sometimes a demon. And so mm-hmm. he just kind of walked in because our previous county mayor was a uh, term limited, and he was a total mostly lovable goober who would just like drive snow plows into ditches and almost get killed all the time. And, uh, <laughs> he really like, was. You know, the, the natural replacement. <laughs> That's for pretty much who he's been in wrestling for the past decade, too. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're looking around to see who we can replace that guy with. And, uh, you know, the cane shows up. We're like, well, you know, fair enough. Come on in. <laughs> yeah. I really loved his... Uh, campaign posters because like he was not making a big deal about the fact that he was a pro wrestler when he was running like he was being very professional about it but his like campaign logo was like black and red and it did have a flame on it a little callback a little bitty callback yeah (laughs) just enough to like remind you why you know him and then the the other one that was mentioned was uh jesse ventura and what was he like governor of colorado or something minnesota Minnesota? I believe it was Minnesota. Yeah. What, what was he famous for? Did he do anything dumb? When he was governor or when he was a wrestler? I'm going <laughs> to go with governor. Not that I remember, but like I was pretty young when that was going on. Now I think he's, he's like really a, yelling on podcasts or something, right? Yeah. Now he's like super into conspiracy theories and seems a little bit unhinged. <laughs> it's a lot of blows to the head. I mean, you know, it's not untrue. Yeah, that's that's proved a little a little unfortunate for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I have a I can imagine the amount of athleticism that's involved in that kind of performance. How often like how often do you see somebody just like really get, you know, thrown off of a cage into a table and then they're like, oh, no, he's dead. Uh, actually dead, like a handful of a handful of times. Okay, that's more than zero, which I was expecting. I was expecting you to say that hasn't happened yet, but okay. Oh, no, no, yeah, that's, that's oh, the thing that has happened. Oh, no. Um, actually, probably the most famous death in wrestling wasn't a guy getting thrown. It was a guy who was, like, entering on a wire because he was playing a superhero character, and he just fell all the way from the wire by accident. Oh, no. Um, that was yeah, Owen Hart. They- yeah, they continued the show because and didn't tell a lot of the people that he had actually died. What? Yeah, because it was yeah. like, wow. It, it was, was a pay per view. Yeah. And oh, so, well, like, I mean, dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah. And I guess they just didn't want to, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know. But they, yeah, they didn't tell anybody. You knew that he was injured because he obviously had to get taken away. Um, But nobody, nobody, you know, I don't know. Were you guys watching that? Didn't know. I was not. I have seen, um, I've seen it since then, but I I was not watching it then. Whenever somebody's like seriously injured during a wrestling match, what they usually do is they like cut to the announcers. Mm Mm-hmm. And they'll, like, say some version of what's happening or, like, try to, like, comfort the audience or, like, fill people in, maybe not with all the facts, but with enough so that they feel like they know what's going on. And it just, like, won't show the ring or the injured person at all until they've got that all, you know, until they've gotten them out of there uh, and can move on to the next thing. Wow. Dang. Um. But there are also people, you know, who've had to, uh, like, retire from wrestling either because they got too many concussions and their brain is starting to not work or they hurt their neck too bad. And if they hurt it again, they'll, you know, end up in a wheelchair or like things like that. Like, it's a rough business even now. Yeah. And a lot of them um, have had a lot of them in the past and probably currently have had um, problems with drugs um, because um, they're working, you know, 365 days a year all the time doing things that are not particularly safe or, I mean, it is, but you're going to get hurt. Like the things that they do aren't necessarily meant to harm you, but you are going to get injured with that. And, and you don't want to be the person that takes off and doesn't, stay on TV and people's faces and, you know, and so they, they, a lot of times get into drugs. They, um, they have a, um, a thing now where they'll pay for your rehab because they've had a lot (laughs) of, because they know it's their fault. Yep. And they've had a lot of, uh, overdoses and a lot of, a lot of issues like that. A, a, A ton of, a ton of the, um, wrestlers have had overdoses even after they've retired just because the pain is a lot and they get addicted to whatever makes them feel a little bit better. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, widely a problem. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of that stuff has gotten better. Oh, for sure. But Like getting better. Isn't the same thing as like not being a problem anymore. Also, and maybe this is my own pet issue. But I've heard multiple people from the business say that uh, things got worse when uh, WWE started drug testing its employees for marijuana. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. like people who used to like smoke a joint to relax after a show started like doing handfuls of pills because you can get away with that better now, which is mm-hmm. like a problem. Although personally, I suspect that uh, the WWE has quietly stopped caring so much about marijuana because they hired Matt Riddle, whose whole thing is that he smokes marijuana. <laughs> I think they, I think it's like a small fine now, as opposed to like, you used to get like three strikes and then you got fired for like drug offenses. And I think that they've, um, I think that they've quietly kind of, <laughs> taken that down but i i think it's just like a small fine for marijuana at least i don't know about the other stuff 
So is like is the idea of wrestling one of those things like professional football that is just going to injure people by the fact that it exists or is like that injury culture more like a symptom of that like machismo problem that uh, th- we've touched on? I think it's some of both, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to like head injuries. Like there are there are safer and more dangerous ways to to work, ways to wrestle. Like you know, you can protect your head, or you can not care about protecting your head. And if you don't care about protecting your head, you probably look like more of a badass is the problem. Yeah. Uh, like this is a, like Daniel Bryan had to like, or he had to retire and everybody thought it was forever, but then he has since come back and he has changed his style since he come back, but not nearly as much as he talked like he was going to. Um, and like part of the problem with him is that he just loves wrestling so much that he just wants to jump off of everything head first. Yeah. It was like, it's really hard to get him to stop. <laughs> that sounds like, that would have to be hard, right? If you were, um, I imagine if you are wrestling in that league, then you are kind of like at the top of the game. Right. And then you like go into the workforce somewhere else. I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? That's not wrestling. And then well, whatever you so- do is not going to be, you're not gonna be the top of it any, uh, you know, at least a lot of times when they retire or whatever, they'll do, um, they'll do commentary on stuff or they'll work as um, the people who put together the matches in the back. Like, this is the story you need to tell. These are the spots you need to hit. Um, you know, making sure everybody's on the same page, things like that. Um, and doing other things backstage. Like a lot of it's um, a lot of times if you especially with WWE, I'm not sure how it works with a lot of the other ones. But like with WWE, if you are like medically retired, they will, you know, they'll find something for you to do. Yeah. Like Daniel Bryan, when he was retired for a long time, he was the on-screen general manager of one of the shows. So Mm -hmm. he would like, he wasn't really in charge. It was just like a a TV role, but but like on the show, he would like make the matches and like arbitrate disputes between the wrestlers and just generally be a character. Um, And then they did, they also did that with Paige who uh, is a female wrestler who had a really bad neck injury. And she was a general manager directly after Daniel Bryan when he returned to the ring. And now she's like managing a Japanese tag team because she speaks better English for them and can like do the mic stuff while they do the wrestling. So like there are other jobs in wrestling besides just wrestling. Yeah. Most of those jobs are done by people who used to do the wrestling. Huh? Interesting. Do you think there's any, uh, like, moral or ethical conundrum in, like, consuming something that is so fraught with, uh, like, production problems that way? I mean, I'm not going to say that there's definitely not. If people feel that way, I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. Um, I personally have come to terms with that aspect. Uh, I, I have more... Uh, of course, like wrestling is my job now because I, I cover wrestling for uh, uprocks.com. So like 
I kind of have to watch WWE, which is a nice like ethical out <laughs> for myself. Uh, but if it were entirely up to me, I would be more concerned about like the company's connections to the Trump administration and the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia than about like the individual performers. Of course, the other the thing that sort of brings those two aspects together is the fact that WWE doesn't give anyone health insurance. Oh dang! Like wait, yeah. what? Uh, if you're like directly injured in a match, they will like you know take care of that, but they don't they don't have like health coverage in general. <laughs> yeah, they are not considered employees; they are um, contractors. No, they're yeah. they're Uber drivers. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, but they're like, they're so tightly controlled as independent contractors that a lot of people say that the only reason that these contracts hold up are because WWE's lawyers are so much more intimidating than anything a wrestler could put together. Jeez. Oh, so. I guess what I'm saying is there are ethical concerns to wrestling, but I think the uh, tendency towards injury is actually one of the lesser ones at the end of the day. Yeah. As fucked up as that sounds. (laughs) Honestly, I don't even, I don't, yeah, I'm much more concerned about the fact that they, you know, are going to Saudi Arabia or the fact that when I used to watch it in high school, like they were, they treated the women horribly one of the um one of the women who really like there were ones who really did wrestle and there were ones who were managers and there were ones who tried to wrestle um they tried their best um but one of them like she wanted to uh i think she wanted a match on something and they said okay have a hair versus hair match and she did she shaved her head on tv because she wanted to be taken seriously and be able to do what she wanted to do. And that's, I mean, that's what they had her do. Um, and I, I think that they've come a long way, but I think that they were their own problem. Like they were the ones standing in their own way. So I don't know where I started what I was saying. So I'm not sure where <laughs> I'm ending it, but that's definitely like, yeah, I'm much more concerned about like, about things like that than, you know, whether or not they're, you know, on drugs or hurting or hurt, you know, <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, because I guess I feel like uh, as far as like injuries and stuff like that, the the wrestlers choose the risks that they take. Yes. And I think if like companies were trying to stop them from hurting themselves, they would find ways to hurt themselves anyway. Mm-hmm. Like when WWE wasn't letting Daniel Bryan wrestle because of his concussions, he was like very clear that when his contract was up, he was going to go find a company that would let him wrestle. But instead, WWE ended up letting him wrestle. So he like he was going to do it anyway. What can you do? Huh. Wild. Yeah. And... They've gotten a lot better about that, about the, um, like, shots to the head, like, taking chair shots to the head or other things, because they had, um, and I don't know, I don't remember how much of that was in the the actual news, um, but they had a wrestler who, due to 
probably, you know, probably a lot of chair shots, probably some drugs, um, ended up killing his family and himself, um, several years ago. And so because of that, they started, um, making everyone be more careful about, you know, head injuries. And if you have a concussion, you have to wait to work until you're cleared again, as opposed to before where, okay, well, you got a concussion, go back out and have another match. They're, they're more conscious of it now. I don't know that they, I don't know that it's fabulous now, but it's, it's, it is better. Yeah, for sure. Um, I hate that that had to happen for it to be better, but I'll, I guess we take what we can get. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Hmm. But there's a lot of great uh, things about wrestling too. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let's go to those. (laughs) What's great. Um, well, the reason that I enjoy writing about wrestling is because they're like, I mean, there are two levels. There's like the physical actions in the ring. And then there's the story that's being told through those actions and the, you know, context around them. And, uh, like I used to, uh, you know, I used to write for a comic book website before I started writing for a wrestling website. And, you know, at that job, I would do like recaps of like, like I used to recap the preacher TV show in the first season. And I like recapped, uh, uh, Steven Universe and Young Justice. And when you're like doing the, that kind of like TV writing, you get so like wrapped up in like, here's what happened interspersed with little jokes about each thing that happened, that it becomes like your room for analysis is, I feel like, somewhat lessened. Whereas with wrestling, what's literally happening is that like, you know, two people are throwing each other around for, you know, eight to 20 minutes. And it's so like simple and primal. I mean, certainly you can get into the weeds about the individual moves. That's not exactly the kind of writer I am, but what's happening is so like basic. It's so easy to understand that you can really get into like, you know, what is, what is the story here? And beyond that, what do these people represent, not just in wrestling, but like in the world? What does this, you know, what does this story that they're telling reflect on? I feel like because wrestling is in a way much simpler than like uh, than other forms of televised entertainment. It's a lot like easier to expand on, if that makes sense. It's like smaller and bigger at the same time in a way that I really enjoy. Yeah. You can you can go deep on it because on some level it's not that deep. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um also like everyone is like really good looking and yes. they wear amazing costumes. Yeah, really tight pants. <laughs> yes. But um, also, I mean, like, also amazing things that, like, someone has handmade. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I'm a big fan of like uh, masked wrestlers and especially like, uh, you know, Mexican luchadors who are like ma- masked wrestlers are like a proud tradition in Mexico in a way that like never quite caught on here. Although there's certainly plenty of American masked wrestlers, including our mayor at the beginning of his career. Um, but there's just this, like, this idea that, like, someone like, uh, Blue Demon or even, you know, more recent guys like, uh, Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. Or even, uh, Kalisto who works in WWE and has never entirely caught on even though i think he's really great that these people become these like larger than life personas and not just for the length of a weekly tv show but like all the time they become these people like a mass luchador well like the old mass luchadors like blue demon and el santo they like never took off their masks they would like go out to dinner with their families in mexico city in their masks i think el santo was buried in his mask um, he also has a cameo, uh, the El Santo, who's an actual luchador has a cameo in, uh, uh, oh fuck. What's the name of that? The Disney movie, uh, the day of the dead movie. Oh, uh, 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 Coco? Coco, Coco, he's in Coco, El Santo. And he's like a skeleton wearing his distinctive silver mask. Uh, nice. I love it. Which I thought was a great touch, but like this idea of like adopting you know it's like being a superhero in real life this idea of like adopting a larger than life persona and then just being that person mm-hmm. um like even someone like rick flair you know uh now i don't you know he whether or not rick flair has money on any given day depends on how recently he's been to a uh, a con or uh made a wwe appearance but like in the old days rick flair would like you know, go around with like giant rolls of cash in his pocket just so that whenever he was like, you know, out at a bar or restaurant or a store, he looked like Ric Flair pulling out like hundred dollar bills and just throwing them around like, you know, and that's less so now, although mass wrestlers still make an effort not to like, uh, be ever be seen without their mask. Like if you go to like, Kalisto's Instagram or even Kalisto's wife's Instagram. If there's like a picture of him without a mask, it'll be like blurred out or like from behind or he'll Mm -hmm. like have his hand over his face because you can you're never supposed to see a mask wrestler's face. And I just think that that kind of like full time myth making is so much fun. Like I like that that sort of thing exists in the world. Agree. I also um I don't know if you mentioned it. I don't think you did, but there are mask versus mask matches where mm-hmm. like at the end you take the other person's mask off and it's like a huge deal. Oh, dang. Yeah. It's like a racing for pink slips or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's been a while since I've been in high school. I think that might've been a thing then. Yeah. But that's, that's not like an everyday match. That's like super special. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there there was talk. Uh, there's a Mexican wrestler named Andrade that just recently came up to to the main roster of WWE, uh, and there's talk of him having a mask versus hair match, which is also a thing when one Ooh. of them has a mask but the other one doesn't. 
there was talk of having a mask versus hair match between him and uh, uh, Rey Mysterio, uh, who's a, a veteran mass luchador who's worked for WWE for years and years and years. Um, but then apparently, like they like talked about this and how excited it would make everyone, and then they realized that like nobody wants Rey Mysterio to be unmasked and nobody wants Andrade to be bald. Yeah. So they just they're like, well, we can't do it then because somebody has to win. Yeah. Yeah, that shows a measure of foresight, just kind of recognizing that what you're about to do is just going to make everybody mad. So yeah. Yeah. maybe just don't. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, the other thing that's important to that is that like Andrade is extremely handsome and has very good hair. So like mm-hmm. he could probably pull off being bald, but it would be a loss. It would. So is part of that uh, that notion that there is a greater story? Um, I, I've heard my wrestling-oriented friends use a lot of like industry terms like Mark and Kayfabe, and there's like a million different terms to describe the meta around wrestling. Is part of that like game part of the fun? I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> so what's a Kayfabe? Um, kayfabe is the world that wrestling takes place in. So, like... If you're in kayfabe, you're like in character or you're talking about the wrestlers as their characters as opposed to people, the, to the real people. And if you're like, if you're breaking kayfabe, you're like revealing something that you're not supposed to. Uh, like there are some wrestlers, for example, who are like married in real life, but their characters aren't. Or they might be having a romance with someone else on the show uh, compared to who they're actually with. So, like, that's, so, like, you know, they're having one relationship in kayfabe and one relationship outside of kayfabe, and you don't want to blur that line because then you're breaking kayfabe or exposing the business is the other word for that. And, you know, then everybody gets annoyed. Yeah. Or, like, uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair are, like, best friends in real life and hate each other in kayfabe. Uh, their rivalry is not currently going on, but and they're mostly on different shows. But I assume that's still the case in both situations. Yeah, it's really. I think it's really interesting. Like I follow a lot of them on social media, and um, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see the ones that have their social media as their character, and the ones that are like, "This is me." And I am not this character. Like, there's one specifically that says, this is my actual, you know, personal Instagram or whatever. And it's not going to be me in character. If you don't want that, then please back away slowly now. Yeah. Which I appreciate. And the other thing is is really interesting is sometimes you don't know what's... Yes. Like, even, you know... Like, I literally cover wrestling news for a living, and I don't always know what's kayfabe. Mm-hmm. Um, like, one of the best examples right now is what's going on with Sasha Banks. Uh, because she... Okay, I'm going to try to recount this briefly. <laughs> she and Bailey, who are, like, also, like, real-life best friends and have been, like, bitter rivals in kayfabe and then become friends in kayfabe. They like actively campaigned both in real life and on the show for the introduction of women's tag team titles. And 
then WWE did introduce women's tag team titles and Sasha Banks and Bailey won them. They were the first, the first to win them. They won them in a big uh, group match and something called the elimination chamber, which I'm absolutely not going to explain right now. <laughs> um, and uh, so like everything was great. And then at WrestleMania, which was only like, I don't know, a month, a month and a half after elimination chamber. Um, yeah. They dropped those titles to another tag team. And uh, the new, the backstage news was that after that, the plan was to split up Sasha and Bailey and have them on separate shows and have them not be a team anymore. And so Sasha Banks, they, they found this out at WrestleMania. Sasha Banks attempted to quit her job with WWE at WrestleMania because she was so mad about this. Um, and after that, she just kind of disappeared. Like she hasn't appeared on WWE TV since WrestleMania. And there's been all this backstage talk and rumors about like, she's trying to get out of her contract. Like WWE is fighting with her about her contract. We don't know exactly what's going on. She still has some time in her contract, so she probably can't really quit, but she's clearly not showing up to TV. We don't know how much, like, we don't know if WWE has said, well, if you're not happy, you know, you can have a leave of absence, you can go home, or if she's just refusing to come. Like, we don't know any of that. And then there was news that uh, she had a meeting with Vince McMahon that supposedly, according to the like backstage rumor mill, went really well. But since then, she still hasn't come back, and she's been like posting stuff on social media that's all like very okay. It's not very vague, but it's not. She doesn't specifically mention WWE or her job or any of that. She just says things like, uh, you know, like I want to fly free or whatever, like stuff that really obviously is about not wanting to to work for that company anymore. And she also like, as a WWE character, she has like bright purple hair. And now on her social media, she has black hair. So especially because of the like Vince McMahon meeting, like we genuinely don't know, like probably nobody who doesn't know Sasha Banks in real life knows if she's actually still on the outs with the company and is like hinting, that she's trying to leave because she really is trying to leave or if she's going to come back in like a couple of months, probably like if she does come back, it'll probably be at or after SummerSlam. And then she'll be like, you know, I deserve better than what you gave me. And that will be like her kayfabe character. Now it could literally be either one. We have no way of knowing. And that just, to me, that makes it so much more fascinating. Um, huh. That's some criminology uh, stuff right there. <laughs> my favorite thing about Sasha Banks um, in real life is that her husband makes her costumes. Yes. Yeah. He apparently makes other people's costumes too. He's a very good costume. Yeah, for sure. But he, um, he actually used to wrestle. I don't think he wrestles anymore, but no. he, um, he absolutely makes amazing costumes. And I love that. I love that about her and him. Like that's adorable to me. I agree. And part of um, part of the WWE universe, um, I cringe at that word because that's the word that they use for it. And it <laughs> kind of makes me like, I don't know. It's just like everything that they do that 
works, then they have to like overdo it until you hate it. <laughs> like, I feel that, yeah. that that's what happened. Like, oh, this worked. We should do it every single episode for two <laughs> years. Um, but um, part of part of that is um, one of the wrestlers that I love is um, named Xavier Woods. And he um, he also is a gamer and he also does cons and dresses up. And um, he has a show. Um, I think it's on YouTube. It's for sure yeah. on YouTube. But um where he has other wrestlers come on and they play games and they, you know, talk about stuff and argue. Now there are ones, um, again, like some of them are in character. Some of them are not the, um, the guys with the masks come on with the masks. They play the video games and masks. Um, but it's, I think it's amazing because it also kind of blares the lines, but, um, it's, it's, like I love the behind the scenes type things. Like um, even when it's like fake behind the scenes where they're like, Oh, blah, blah. You know, they go backstage and, but, um, but I, I do love um, it's called up, up, down, down. And I love that show um, because it's, it's <laughs> video games and it's wrestlers. And funnily enough, like there are a ton of, they'll do like a Madden, championship and they even had i think uh like a trophy at the end and you sign up and it was amazing that has nothing to do with anything but i do love that show and that because of the wwe that show was created yeah um there's also a show uh where uh, like on youtube where sonia deville the lesbian wrestler and uh, her best friend and wrestling tag team partner, Mandy Rose, eat donuts and review them. Yes. Where they're like on uh, tour for wrestling. They like find a donut shop in each town and like, like just talk about the donuts. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, and the, these women are like in ridiculous shape. Like they both have amazing ass, but apparently they shoot the show on their cheat day. <laughs> uh like i saw just on, on twitter just the other day sonia deville come on you don't really eat donuts uh and she said i sure do once a week every week uh, which you know would that we could all have that level of restraint when it comes to donuts yeah no kidding but <laughs> uh on the subject of wwe like if it's funny they just repeat it for uh, there was an interview that Alexa Bliss gave today about how, uh, like a month or two ago, she was she ha- she hosts like a talk show on on Raw, and she always has like a cup of coffee on the talk show, and then like a month or two ago, the talk show like led into a tag match, but she wasn't like invested in it. Like that was a story that she really didn't care. Didn't really want to participate. She was letting her partner do all the work. So she took her coffee cup down to the ring and like stood at ringside and sipped coffee during the match. And what we learned from this interview is that she just did that on the spur of the moment. She thought it would be funny. Of course she was right. So she just picked up her coffee off the table from the talk show set and carried it down to the ring uh, not knowing if like the people backstage would be cool with that, but figuring the audience will think it was funny. So I'll probably get away with it. 
And the people backstage, including Vince McMahon, did like it. So since then, Alexa Bliss's entire gimmick has been that she loves coffee. Like they literally made a T-shirt about Alexa Bliss's coffee and have her like talking about coffee on every episode. And she gives people's mugs to, she give people, she gives people mugs to, to like drink coffee in. Right. Which she, she, she can do because WWE made coffee mug. Mm -hmm. All because she carried her coffee cup to the ring that one time. And Vince McMahon was like, yes, that's it. You drink coffee now. (laughs) I know the kids will love. That is a really good Vince impression, Al. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Sounds well practiced. You you can't be a uh, wrestling journalist slash podcaster without a Vince McMahon impression and a Dusty Rhodes impression. Oh, Dusty. Um, living on the end of a lightning bolt, offering up my innocence. Because if it comes down to you and me, ain't that the way it should be, Hoss? That's my personal favorite Dusty Rhodes promo. Like, obviously, yeah. Hard Times is the classic, but Living yeah. on the Lightning Bolt is my actual favorite. Yeah. <laughs> huh. A lot, a lot of memorable bits, then. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I think it's, um, I think it's entertaining that um, now we're having a lot of, like, second and third generation wrestlers. So, like, you saw their parents or their grandparents wrestle and now you're seeing them wrestle i think that's really um it kind of blurs the lines again with like kayfabe um and some of them you know some of them acknowledge that and some of them do not um yeah and i think it's really interesting how they choose to do that and then um dusty Rhodes that he was talking about has two sons they're both involved in AEW now and they had it a huge um match um at double or nothing last month and it was one of the best matches i've seen in a really really long time um i'm really excited about aew because it's it's new and it's fresh and they're letting um letting people sort of introduce themselves and have their own gimmicks and and not you know, not okaying every single breath that somebody takes. And I, I really am enjoying that. I don't know that long-term that's going to, how that's going to work, but right now it's amazing and I cannot wait um, until the next pay-per-view. Yeah. You know what else is really great on the subject of like, uh, after the match between the Rhodes brothers, Mm -hmm. uh, Cody Rhodes like cut a promo in the ring where he invited his brother Dustin to uh be his tag team partner. Mm-hmm. And you could listen to that promo all on its own and be like, oh, that's really good and heartfelt. And like they kind of cry at the end and hug it. Great. But also there are direct references to something that happened like 25 years earlier at the beginning of Dustin Rhodes career where mm-hmm. his dad, Dusty Rhodes asked him to be his tag team partner. Um, and 
like it's not it's not like he just repeated it and it's not like he homaged it so strongly that you would be confused if you didn't know the old one but like they both begin with i want to ask you in front of god and the whole world so you like immediately know what he's doing if you know and just like the two levels that that works out at the same time i think are just like like it's already moving and then if you know the history it's like that much more moving. and that's like i'm just impressed with how wrestling can do that kind of thing and that's also sort of where the that's where like reality and kayfabe sort of intermingle in this way that doesn't make anyone mad and does sort of play on everyone's emotions yeah like their whole um their whole fight like leading up to it they did promos about how um their half brothers and how like the one the older one wasn't ever there for the younger one and the younger one was like the favorite and i mean it was they got really emotional and you're and watching it like you know that that's probably not how they feel about each other every day but you can tell that there's a little bit of truth to everything just because that's how i mean you can tell that there's something behind it and it's um it was really like emotional for for a wrestler i mean like i think i cried and like i don't really i don't one cry at a lot of things and i definitely can't remember the last time i cried at wrestling (laughs) other than like (laughs) when i meet wrestlers and panic like i have panic attacks and cry but that's just me personally um but yeah like it was i don't remember the last time i've cried at a match and that it was amazing yeah um my very favorite legacy wrestler i think is tessa blanchard Mm, yeah uh and the amazing thing about Tessa Blanchard's history uh and and uh where she's descended from is that uh one of the well, in my opinion one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time that I've ever seen uh was a cage match that happened in 1985 between Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA um and it's like the one of the most brutal matches ever. There's a scene where like one of them tries to stab the other one in the eye with a shard of wood from a broken chair. Um, and in fact, uh, a good friend of mine just got a tattoo like last week of uh, the of the broken wooden shard from the chair. And it has like a ribbon around it, and it says, "If you can't beat them, dot dot dot," which is a reference to the Mountain Goats line uh, from Foreign Objects: "If you can't beat them, make them bleed like pigs." <laughs> um, but anyway, the point that I was getting to is uh, so that match is like a well-remembered match uh, from history. And Tessa Blanchard, who was not even born when that happened, because she's like in her twenties, uh, is the daughter of Tully Blanchard. And the stepdaughter of Magnum TA. I don't know exactly how that happened, but like it's a hell of a pedigree. I don't think I knew that about her. I yeah. mean, I knew who her dad was. I did not know who her stepdad was. That's kind of amazing. 
Um, Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas, their dad was a wrestler and their mom's dad was a wrestler. Oh, I didn't know that their mom's dad was a wrestler. I, I'm pretty sure there's a chance that I'm wrong, but I'm <laughs> almost certain that I read that somewhere. Um, but I can't remember his name, so I can't, I can't swear on a Bible or anything. But yeah, yeah, I thought that was really was interesting. Right, and then, hmm. um, in like real life, Bray Wyatt's named after a different wrestler, and I think that, I think that. His um, his mom's dad was also a wrestler. Don't quote me. <laughs> and you're on a podcast. You're going to get quoted. I know. I know. Dozens of tweets. Get, yeah. Yeah. I just hope someday we get a Tessa Blanchard versus. Like, I don't care what company, but like, how can that not happen? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, do you guys have anything else you want to throw out there before we start to wrap things up? I don't. I don't think so. I think we've had a good conversation. Yeah. Hey, mission accomplished. <laughs> have right. we talked you into watching it? Uh, well, <laughs> what the hell? Lisa, we need Thomas to take care of the kids so Devin can watch wrestling with us. That's that the is plan. a very oh, true. That's uh, that's savage, actually. Yeah. But, okay. All right. That, that's fair. <sighs> that's that's probably how that usually is going to shake out. I, I did watch a, I did watch a wrestling once. Um, <laughs> a wrestling. <laughs> I well, I, I mostly was in the house while you guys watch wrestling and I, I drank, but oh, I was yeah. there. Yeah, you were at Royal Rumble. I sat in a folding chair at the time. Mm-hmm. So you were present, yes. Yeah, folding chairs are an important part of wrestling. They are. That's that's what I learned that night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, L, where can uh, where can our loyal fan base find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter at another L, and uh, you can read my writing about wrestling pretty much every day at uprocks.com/slash/prowrestling. Nice. And uh, Lisa, what are you doing these days? I do a podcast called Okay But Why on this network. And uh, have sometimes. Any cool guests lately on, on that? You know. That sounds like a cool podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you've been on it. <laughs> oh, wow. I'd, I'd forgotten. But yeah, you know, yeah. I think I was. Elle oh. hasn't, though. I need <laughs> to have an episode with Elle on it. Uh, yeah, I'd be up for that. Actually, I have a podcast, too, that I should mention. Oh, oh Yes. Yeah. Um, I do a wrestling podcast called the hard times podcast, uh, with my good friend, Megan Nielsen, and it is not on this network. Although I sometimes feel that maybe it should be, but that's a discussion for another time. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll put the podcast, the podcast, the podcast in a suitcase <laughs> and suspend it over the ring. Yes. Podcast on a pole match. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I feel like I interrupted you, Lisa. Did you have anything else to add? I'm sorry. No, no, that was all. Okay, cool. Well, all right, guys, it's uh, it's been fun, and uh, well, thanks for hollering at us. Sure. Woo! Thank you. Woo! <laughs> all right. Uh, I probably would have let that roll on a little further, but I'm speedy. Understandable. Uh, long last week. Stop my recording. Here.
A Hoots Media Production. Hoot, 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 ho